Hi, I'm Jen, and today I'm gardening out loud. Thanks for joining me in the garden today. This morning, we're also joined by a very vocal starling. probably hear him now or her I don't know we'll say him he has got quite an impressive vocal range starlings can make a lot of noises but one way that I find their call a little easier to point out is a lot of that kind of like grindy gargly noise starlings spend the whole year here so this isn't a special spring bird oh there he goes I guess he didn't like the attention, but they're still, they're still welcome. All the bird life is generally welcome here in the garden, uh, except when they're eating my pea shoots, which is something that we might talk about today. So today it's Sunday, April 23rd. Happy Earth Day, Boxing Day. Yesterday here was unrelentingly rainy, um, so not a time that I think most of us spent a lot of time outside in nature, uh, but I actually was out for a little while in the rain. I planted a few radishes and I, and I moved some water around from my makeshift rain barrel, which overfloweth with the amount of water. This is a cool morning. It's about six degrees, but it feels a little colder than that. But you know, I don't mind this return to spring year temperatures. Uh, it's reassuring in a way. And it's also slowed things down a little. That pulse of summer heat that we had really hit fast forward on the spring progression and a lot of things like the daffodils were even more short-lived than usual because I think they just got toasted so I still have a few daffodils now that haven't gone over some of the later blooming varieties like this adorable cheerfulness here which has ooh the Corona, which is the trumpet part of the daffodil, is so beautiful on these ones. It's like a peachy color, and there are multiple heads from one stem. And I actually kind of didn't expect them to look exactly like that. So that's pretty special. Um, my first tulips have also showed up in the spring garden. Some pale pink short ones. Um, but the rest are still in bud phase which is just fine. You know, spring goes by so fast anyway. I, I don't mind hitting the brakes a little. Interestingly, the leafing has kind of been on hold since it got cold. And sometimes a good rain can really be the thing that puts it over the edge. But I think given the cold, we're still on pause, really leafing. And that's okay with me too. Um, let's give all the plants that live underneath the trees a little longer to spend in the sunlight. So one thing that happened this week 
is that I made the first garden salad. And man, that's a great moment. I had been harvesting little bits and bobs, mostly herbs. So, you know, a bit of mint, a bit of parsley, a bit of chives, a bit of green onion from the garden, because these are the things that are coming back, either because they're perennial or they're biennial, like parsley. And biennial plants are plants that grow one year and then set seed the second year. Whereas an annual plant goes from seed to seed, essentially, in one year. So most of our food plants are annual plants, but a few of them are biennial, like parsley, like kale, like carrots. And that can be really advantageous in this early season when there's not a lot to eat. This is, this is the traditional hungry season when the winter stores are depleted and the new crops aren't yet ready to eat. And so what I thought we kind of make today is another hungry season salad as we go about the garden. To get a full salad at this time of year, it helps to open your mind a little bit to what can be in the salad. And another thing to keep in mind, of course, is that you want to only be harvesting this kind of, especially the wilder things from places that you are allowed to do so, or you know that the land hasn't been sprayed by humans with chemicals, by dogs with urine, things of that nature. So keeping in mind to harvest thoughtfully, um, also to never take more than a third of what you find there. If it's, a, if it's in the wild plant, it could be even less. And to never take the first one you see. So these are kind of some of the rules of the honorable harvest. Uh, as I learned about through Citizen Potawatomi writer Robin Wall Kimmerer. And so these are all uh, coming from the garden back here. So I can feel confident that I won't over harvest. I'm not going to take things from the lawn area because we have a small dog who lives here and I don't want anything that has been fertilized by her. So we're going to kind of stick to the beds or an area that I know that the dog doesn't go. So let's start with our old friend, the violet. Uh, the violet's getting a lot of airtime. The leaves and the flowers of violets are edible. So you would want to take the smaller leaves. They're more tender. So we can take a few of those. And I'll also take the flower. I'm just going to pop off the whole flower. They look beautiful. The leaves are, and flowers have vitamin C in them, which is really nice. And I know that at this time of year, if we were relying on food from the natural world, those vitamins would be especially important after the long winter. Oh, I think this violet, let's see. Yeah, it says, I actually have this line on it, imagine. It says violet freckles. So this is, this is the one that I think bred to give us that snow white violet from last week. So I'm just pinching off some of the smaller tender leaves. Okay, so I've got a few of those. Now I can see over here, 
some wild arugula. So this is a relative of the annual kind of arugula we're used to in fancy salads. Um, it doesn't have the same wavy leaves. It has a much straighter leaf and uh, it will self-seed itself and come back. And um, it's a lovely plant to have, although once it is there, it is there. It puts down really deep, tough, fibrous roots. Uh, so if you are planting it somewhere, make sure it's somewhere you want it to stay. But I mean, as an early season green, wonderful. I can see some dandelion. I am going to add that to the mix. Again, you know, I'm picking the leaves that are a bit smaller and more tender. You can also pick the big leaves. It depends on your tolerance for bitter foods. Um, people, you know, also cook them. You could put some, I have a lot of mint coming up, as I mentioned, because I don't please my mint. So here's some parsley coming back because of its biennialness. So it's going to set seed before too long, which is great for saving seed. And also in the meantime, I'm going to eat its, some of its early leaves. I'm going to break some of that up and put it in. I have some radishes that are self-sown. And um, I can see some that are actually kind of bigger. And I could take those leaves, although they can be a little prickly. They're kind of better to cook. But what I do have, because again, I let some radishes kind of go wild and put up seeds. I, um, the bees like the flowers. So I let some of them go wild. And the, one of the benefits is that they have replanted themselves all over the place. Too many, really. But what I'm going to harvest is the microgreens. So right now they just have their heart-shaped seed leaves. And I'm pulling those out of the ground as we speak. And I'm just ripping off the roots, although you can leave them. Uh, you, those are edible too. I'm just ripping off the, them because they're a lot of dirt on them and they make the washing easier. And these are really good for you, microgreens. I'm actually teaching a workshop about this this week. And one reason is that at this phase, the plants haven't developed other chemicals that stop you from your human body from absorbing some of the good nutrients that are in them now. They develop these kind of other ones that, forgive me for not knowing the science offhand, but that inhibit the absorption of some of these wonderful beneficial nutrients. So the other thing is that right now the seed is getting all its energy all of the energy, I should say, the, all of the energy in the plant has come from the seed. These are, in fact, just packed with energy. And so that energy can be absorbed by us. These seed leaves, you know, these first two leaves that come out, they're often these kind of heart-shaped leaves, although not always. Sometimes they can have other shapes, but they don't look like the final leaves of the plant. So if you're planting tomatoes, you see these two kind of oblong leaves that don't look like a tomato leaf at all and those are just the first ones those are the seed leaves they, they have been inside the seed all folded up all along what else are we going to add to our salad there is um, some wild plantain starting to come up 
in the kind of lawn and wooded areas. I will add a little bit of that. Again, a super nutritious plant, also a really healing plant. If you get stung by nettles, say you have nettles in your garden and you get stung by the nettles, you can put, you can chew some plantain in your mouth, take that paste, smear it on where you got the nettle sting or a bee sting, whatever, and that will like instantly help and soothe that burn. So it's a wonderful healing plant if you're making any kind of salve or infusion like that. Um, really just good for the skin, but you can also eat it. Uh, again, the smaller, tender, more tender plants are better if you're eating them raw like this in a salad context. Okay, um, I'm going to add a few chives. So chives are a perennial herb, which is one great reason to grow them. They don't require a lot from us to keep coming back. And add that nice onion flavor. I have onion chives in the garden and also garlic chives, which are an Asian variety. Um, again, they're a little more garlicky. They're also thicker and flatter than our kind of tubular chives that we might associate with onion chives. They are yummy and low maintenance and they make beautiful white flowers that actually smell amazing when they first bloom. Um, which you might not think for an onion related plant, but a wonderful plant, tolerant of, of shade, hardy. Uh, they make a lot of seeds, so I share it a lot, but it's one I would absolutely recommend adding to the repertoire. Okay, so we're in the kale area and they just have put on some kind of short little small leaves and that's okay. I'm gonna grab a couple kinds of kale, notably my dinosaur kale, which is the lacinato type kale, does not have any new growth on it. It tends to be less winter hardy than um, a blue vates kale or a red Russian kale, um, which is too bad because I like the lacinato the best. And occasionally it will overwinter. This year I had big plans to turn what I call my sparrow fortress into a kind of polytunnel to help the kale overwinter. But the plastic that we had bought wasn't thick enough. And so as soon as the big first big windstorm came, it just got demolished. So there is room to improve. <laughs> for next year, the best laid plans, etc. I guess I should explain the Sparrow Fortress since I mentioned it twice. After many years of gardening here, I developed a problem where the sparrows also, it seems in the hungry season, developed a fondness for my pea shoots. So the peas would um, get about, I don't know, four or five inches high had that important first growth and then the sparrows would come and eat them down to a nub. And I had grown peas here for so many years before this became a problem. It seems like one group of sparrows just realized this was a good idea and then they taught their children and that was the end of my pea crops. 
And so in 2020, I snapped because <laughs> I just very much wanted to grow peas again. And so my partner built a, a structure out of PVC pipe that is a kind of cover. And we put netting all along it to close in the peas while they are growing. And that has worked pretty well, especially if I'm diligent about making sure that there are no access points, because if there are, the sparrows will find them and come in and eat the peas. Speaking of peas, now's a good time to plant some if you plan on it. I probably, I'm not gonna plant them right now, but I might today. Mostly I'm trying to stay out of the beds and just like stick to the paths because we don't want to compress the soil after so after all the rain we had. Preserving the soil structure is important for the plants to be at their most healthy, to support all the life that's in the soil. So we don't want to go around smushing it, smushing all the air out, all those little tunnels that the worms and other invertebrates down there have made for us. We don't want to turn that into a hard layer that becomes difficult for roots to get through. So always good practice if it's if there's been a big rain to try and stay off your soil for a little while. So today I'm going to cheat that a little. I'm going to carefully plant from the paths so that I can get my peas started there. In fact, this is a little bit late maybe, but the theme of my garden this year, I think is going to be a little bit late and seem to not be on my A game in terms of planting schedule. Going on vacation really kind of threw me off, but that's okay. Things do not have to be perfect in gardening and they never will be in fact. And that's kind of one of the beauties of it. So I think that's enough from me today, but I hope that you have a wonderful restorative week ahead of you. Lots of small moments to soak in the world around you, to pay tribute to this wonderful earth. Talk to you next week.